right. This is what we call a, a here at home artist interview, courtesy of the independent 88.5 FM here in Los Angeles and Orange County. My name's Mookie or Mark, if you prefer. And we're here with Annie Clark, goes by the name St. Vincent. Where are you right now physically, not a, n- not emotionally? Oh, God. Um, physically, I'm in my studio in Los Angeles. Uh, is that where the magic happens, producing demos, uh, writing music generally? Yeah, that's where the magic happens. It's, you know, the the process between like demo and final final uh, recording is is actually very blurry now. I usually, because I have a real functioning studio, the things I start can usually become at least some part of the final recording. Right. And I'm sure you've been asked this before, but during the pandemic, where it was that essentially where you were living, maybe putting the uh, the finishing touches to uh, to the record daddy's home? Yeah, I put about half. Um, I mean, I, I the record was made about half before quarantine and half after. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I spent most of my days in this room. Um trying to imagine <laughs> a psychedelic other world that wasn't uh, yeah. watching Netflix. Yeah. Uh, do you fancy yourself a, uh, a gearhead as far as uh, all the technology around you in the studio? Well, I, I am in a certain way. I'm kind of like, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not a gear snob, like anything that, anything that can kind of help me get an interesting sound uh i it's the same way you know with guitars you're like ooh, i think that guitar can give me a song you know Mm -hmm. oh i think this random little piece of scrap metal attached to a piece of wood that resonates might give me a song you know so that's kind of where where i come at it but yes i'm i am techie i guess that's the uh that's the old fiona apple technique i guess uh you heard with her last record she was running around her home uh, kind of banging on random things around the uh the apartment or whatever trying to capture audio for the uh the record fetch the bolt cutters yes great record <laughs> yeah oh absolutely so uh as we uh talk right now uh the new record daddy's home uh should be available in a few days uh the 14th of may on friday uh the name of the record daddy's home is that sort of uh, you asserting yourself as this this alpha figure? I mean, I'm definitely daddy now. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a reference to that, my own kind of transformation and kind of comfortably taking up space. It's also, the title for me works on a lot of levels. It's cringy to me. It's funny. It's creepy. Um, and it's also literal. My literal father came home from prison where he was there for for 10 years about a year and a half ago so there was also that actual you know oh wow daddy's home, daddy's home. yeah that's incredible <clears throat> all sorts of layers to that so our listeners have heard the uh initially the song pay your way in pain the melting of the sun and most recently i guess you just dropped the brand new single and video for the song down um this whole 70s sort of aesthetic now correct me if i'm wrong but you know just looking at the uh sort of the motif on the website uh your style of dress these days um sonically some of the songs that we've heard um as of late it's it's almost like we're we're back in the uh, the old delorean way back time machine going back to the year 1976 did you you know and if you're anything like me you go through periods of your life where 
you become fascinated with uh, periods of time or certain eras. For instance, uh, I know a long time ago, I, I was fascinated with the, the CBGB scene in, uh, in New York in the late 70s. And I would read all the books and I just wanted to know about the culture. You come in from this uh, sort of in the, in the, from the same standpoint, from uh, l- looking at 70s culture? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a total completist, I have to say. Mm. Um, so I, I definitely, I've listened to music like that the the great stevie wonder records you know talking book fulfilling his first finale songs in the key of life um the steely dan records from that time music that was made in new york from 71 to 76 like that fusion of rock and jazz and soul and, and everything um i've listened to that music so much that i didn't necessarily have to go back and listen to it tons to kind of have it flow through me but i did definitely study um, I really studied like, wow, wh- why, why does this change feel so good? Why does this chorus feel so good? It lifts here and it ducks here and it moves. And so I just went back and really, and, and really just went, God, this harmony is so brilliant and tried to incorporate a lot of that into what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, I kind of sorry, I get lost. I lost my train of thought there. You'll edit this. No, it's cool. Just the uh, the whole aesthetic of it. Again, your style of dress and everything uh, remind, reminds yeah. me of uh, you know reading about and seeing pictures of the old Max's Kansas City uh, in New York. Like you're standing online to get into uh, that venue to see the Velvet Underground or the Talking Heads or something like that. Uh, I, I, lo- I love uh, I love every part about it. Um, Jack Antonoff, you worked with right uh, for this album. Yes. And uh, what sort of a collaborative effort was it uh, working with Jack in the studio? I think I saw one of your previous YouTube videos and you were talking about the song, uh, The Melting of the Sun specifically, and how, you know, from sort of what I gathered from what you were talking about, uh, it was a a major collaborative effort between you and Jack. Uh, Just the the concept of that song, perhaps, or am I way off? Um, The concept of that song... uh... I I had written the song and I was really struggling with the lyrics, um, but I had, you know, I had the melody and the, just everything was, was written. And I just had to find lyrics that kind of touched on where, what I wanted to say. And, um, you know, I tried a number of, I tried a number of things and sometimes it would go into this, um, the territory of music that was like that that's like the territory of storytelling that's like um I'm right and you're wrong kind of world and I was like mm, no that's not that's not where I'm going with this and I was like you know I kind of Jack was like yeah what about something you know a little bit more like lean into the psychedelia of it and I was like okay that's that's really interesting yeah like a kind of melting sun thing and I was like oh that says what I'm trying to say which is like this power, this like power structure that we just net that seems immobile mm-hmm. and permanent can actually dissolve before your eyes. And, you know, we can move forward. The, uh, the concept of the song and uh, the lyrics are so very powerful. Um, kind of reminds me of uh, one of my favorite songs from just a few years ago. Um, Hozier came out with a song with Mavis Staples, Nina Cried Power. 
um, which was one of my favorites uh, at the oh, time. The Melting wow. of the Sun. I mean, you mentioned uh, Joni Mitchell and uh, Nina Simone, Tori Amos, and some of the greats of the past. Uh, I feel like it's a it's an amazing song, and um, certainly speaking on the times of you know of, of today, as well as the times that those particular artists were in. Um, I guess in their heyday. Uh, wanted to talk briefly about the other songs that we've heard and the other songs we've played on the air, Pay Your Way in Pain and the song Down. Are those songs essentially autobiographical? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, all the songs really are autobiographical uh -huh. in, 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 a, in a big way. I mean, you know, I've, I've been the girl with last night's heels on the morning train. You know, I've been the girl at the holiday party who's uh, revealing herself by the pain that she's trying to conceal. I mean, I've, I've really mm -hmm. lived it so I could write about it, but um, with pay your way in pain, I was just like, I was thinking about how it seemed like in American culture, um, everywhere you turn, someone's kind of like asking you to pay the piper. And you're like, well, but, and people are just trying to like, honestly do their best to get by and, and, be okay in this world and what everybody wants is like you know fucking food and shelter and love <laughs> and and yeah. yet and yet that is somehow so difficult um and then i was also it also kind of feels like because it's the first song on the album it's a little bit mm. of a setup to what the other songs are gonna be about you know it's like right a bunch of people paying their way in pain. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that music is almost like going into a museum and looking at a piece of art on the wall where, um, you know, a hundred people could interpret the same painting in a different way, you know, but the way that you've written the song Pay Your Way in Pain, uh, I feel like is a hundred percent, you might have been talking about your own experiences, but it is a hundred percent relatable to a lot of people out there, you know? Yeah. I, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, it really it feels like a blues for 2021. You know, mm. it's all, it's all the same stuff that the blues has talked about forever. It's, you know, I, I, there's no food on the shelves. There's, you know, yeah. uh, my yeah, baby, the, left me. I've been kicked out from polite society and guess what? I want to be loved. Uh, we're here with St. Vincent on uh, the independent 88.5 FM. I love stvincent.com is the website. I love the merch that's available right now for the longest time uh, doing these Zoom interviews with artists. Uh, you know, a lot of them, you know, lesser established artists. I would tell people, you know, you can't buy a ticket for a show. So, uh, you know, maybe a little bit goes a long way. Go buy the vinyl on the websites, the merch. Uh, you got sweatshirts and tees and pens and candles. The cassette tapes are sold out, apparently. Apparently, those are making a resurgence. And I've never seen anybody sell an 8-track until now. Huh. Now, uh, <laughs> you were probably not even around uh, when 8-tracks were, were in cars or, or anything like that, you know? But apparently, you do have an affinity for old school. Well, I think with this record, I mean, everything that I wanted to do with, you know, the way I look, the way uh, that the vinyl packaging looks and feels and just everything. Like I would just want to tell the story and, mm -hmm. um, and be, and have fun with it and be, you know, period specific. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I wish anyone luck trying to find an eight track player to actually play the music, but it's fun to have like, it's fun to have 
those kind of physical mementos when we live in a world that's so very uh, ephemeral and, you know, social media and very few things that we can sort of touch. So it's yeah. fun. Awesome. Um, that, that's why the, the daddy's home cassette tape sold out. I guess it was flying off of the shelf because it's a, it's a collector's item. You know, I got about a box here at home, uh, and, it, and it's called, uh, you know, Mookie's treasures and it's, uh, all sorts of stuff, uh, rock and roll memorabilia or, you know, radio station stickers that I've uh, collected over the years. And it's, uh, it's really cool to have some of that stuff. Um, if you don't mind, I, I just want to take us back to your, your formative years. If, yeah. uh, if you don't mind, um, what sort of music was around you, uh, perhaps around your household uh, when when you were growing up? Um, I mean, I mostly remember with my parents, like music being played in the car. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, so my dad's favorite stuff was definitely Steely Dan and the Stones and um, Stevie Wonder and this kind of era. Um, my mom big Simon and Garfunkel fan, mm. but, but I didn't, uh, I had an older sibling. So I'll never forget one day somebody was moving, somebody with great taste was moving or something. And a box of CDs fell out of their truck and it landed on our front lawn. And I'll never forget. It was like Pet Shop Boys, Nine Inch Nails, uh, the Train Spotting soundtrack, like just really cool stuff. That it really was like gift from heaven. I mean, yeah. I'm really sorry for the for the guy or girl who who lost twenty great records, but the um, Metallica Black album was in there. I mean, it was just like, yeah, wow, what a what a great um, what a great little music lesson here um you know i never had uh <clears throat> i never had a uh, an older sibling or anything so it took me uh, a few years uh, after i got out of the house to um you know uh discover artists like uh the cure and uh, you know depeche mode and, uh, and and some of those you know i remember driving in the car my mom would listen to the phantom phantom of the opera soundtrack or lion king you know oh, and my dad would right yeah <laughs> right all of that stuff right and uh my dad would certainly listen to uh you know the doors and uh, some of those classic rock stations or whatever um but uh you know eventually eventually uh, yeah, you figure it out. Um, I'm I'm so glad that you take the time to to do this sort of stuff, and uh, I guess press around a record is is so very important. But not only are you doing stuff like Saturday Night Live, but you also take the time uh, to talk to public radio d uh, stations around the country. Um, I think that is so super cool. What was your experience uh, performing Saturday Night Live recently? Oh yeah, well, it was my second time on the show, which is crazy to think. Um, but uh, I, um, I had a lot of fun this time. I mean, mm -hmm. last time, the first time I did it, God bless, I, I enjoyed it, but I more enjoyed it in hindsight because I was so very nervous to do it because it's one of my favorite shows. I've been watching it since I was a kid and it was just such a mo you know, monumental moment. Um, I, yeah. I, this time around, I kind of knew what, to expect in in a sense with the rehearsals and this and the pace and and i just had a great time mm -hmm. you know i put a i put a band together in a week i mean we had three rehearsals and then we were on tv oh, 
No kidding. But, yeah. I mean, so it's just so fun to get to play this music with people. Mm. Um, you know, we got a, a a sense of pride almost seeing you on stage, you know, on Saturday Night Live, because we feel like we know you personally. We've been following you for a number of years and um, to, to see you up on stage with a, a great band and the backup singers and everything um, adds another dimension to these songs that we've heard on the radio as of late. But also just knowing that uh, maybe the music of St. Vincent would be able to reach a lot more people who, you know, weren't familiar um previously um i think that just was so super cool um if you don't mind before we wrap it up back to your formative years who is tuck and patty oh tuck and patty are my aunt and uncle they're a jazz duo um my uncle's an amazing jazz fingerstyle guitar player my aunt's a great singer and um when i was a kid when i was about 15 they saw how obsessed with music i was and i was already playing guitar and so they uh had me come out and be their roadie on tour with them. So I, uh, I got to see the world and learn what it was really like to be a musician on the mm -hmm. road, really like earn, earn my stripes. I love that. I've got a, a three-year-old daughter now. And, and before the pandemic, you know, we've had uh, artists come in the studio to perform live on the air. I loved bringing her up to uh, to see the live music in the studio on the radio, just to get her sort of acclimated uh, to what I do and uh, just to, uh, you know, um, get her some uh, some experience, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you 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 enrolled in Berkeley back east to study music. Did you have an idea of exactly what path you wanted to follow, um, what genre of music you wanted to pursue um, when you enrolled in Berkeley? Well, it's funny. I I mean, I always wanted to be a solo artist. I mean, I always wanted to be writing songs and singing my songs and and all of that. Um, and so, but I, but I, I think I didn't have any idea, like, how do you even necessarily go, go about that? So at Berkeley, um, the curriculum was, a, was a lot to kind of prepare somebody for a music industry that no longer existed in a certain way. Like there was a lot of emphasis on learning how to play every single style so that you could be a good studio musician. And this is at the time just right before or during the time when um you know early streaming was happening and before the the industry changed so drastically mm -hmm. so it's a really interesting like kind of education um for a world that was crumbling um and and i i don't i don't necessarily regret going going to school but i think that there was um i learned some good things and then i also um, had to unlearn a lot of the things that the school prizes, mm. like athleticism over artistry or things like that. Like, uh, hey, everyone, look how technically sound I am, you know, rather than yeah, uh, the art yeah. of it. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely there. I, I absolutely respect craft and craft is the thing you lean back on when like inspiration isn't, you know, is a, is an elusive butterfly, mm. but you know, at the end of the day, you know, you want to win hearts and minds and um, you want to be saying something that's, that matters. Um, and I think playing is only as good as, as the song and the intention behind it. Mm. 
Now, it seems like, uh, I mean, you've been at it for a number of years uh, as a, a solo artist, as a, uh, you know, member of Polyphonic Spree and stuff like that. Um, early on, did you find that it was difficult to play in front of people or even collaborate uh, as a songwriter with somebody else? Because music can be so personal, you know, was it ever difficult to share your music with people? Well, it was in the sense uh, I I didn't really co-write things that felt too mm. scary or even the idea still my safe place is my studio alone where I can try a million things and then um you know not have anybody have to hear me uh <laughs> right you know not quite get there so um but but with the, something like the polyphonic spree, I mean, I really learned how to become like a guitar player to that supports, you know, a vocal. And I learned how to mm. perform, you know, and because I jumped from playing, uh, you know, coffee houses by myself to, um, you know, yeah. being on stage at a festival for 30,000 people. And you just like, that was such a formative cool experience 30,000 people on stage with you with the polyphonic spree or in attendance uh, I mean might as well have been no 30,000 people I there were probably 25 people on stage but there were 30,000 people in the audience the first show I did with them and it's like yeah. wow when, when was the last sort of underplay that you did or uh, maybe maybe it was recently just sort of performing for family and friends oh god I don't I don't perform for a family. I don't, I don't assume that my family and friends want to hear me play music. I don't know why that <laughs> I, um, I'm not the person who, who like whips out the acoustic guitar when the party's getting, getting a little late. Right. Right. I just wouldn't do that to someone. <clears throat> I really only want to perform for people who consent to a performance, <laughs> like sure. expre express written consent. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, the last time I, mean, I was playing these really, really fun um, gigs on the Mass Seduction Tour that were like um, just me and my friend Thomas Bartlett, who's a piano player. We we played, um, it's a while ago, we played this little church in England. I don't know, it was probably 300, 400 people. And it was just me and him. And I really got to live out my um, my lush life fantasy there. That like, yeah. you know, that, that oh, oh, to be a lounge singer, you know, <laughs> cracking jokes, having a witty retort, doing a little crowd work, singing the song, breaking people's hearts, you know. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's really, really fun. I'm, I'm sure you're really excited to uh, get back on stage in front of people, you know, post pandemic, uh, you know, we've seen artists come alive when we've uh, done our drive-in concerts um, and just, you know, just being there to hear a, uh, you know, a, a snare drum um, during sound check is just uh, more magical than anything. Cause we haven't had it in over a year, you know? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, but we are um, so very intrigued by your music. Um, it seems like you're in such a good place right now where uh, you could uh, dream up a concept and uh, really bring some of your uh, artistic thoughts to fruition uh, via music. And, uh, 
you know, visually as well. Um, again, St. Vincent, the new record, Daddy's Home, coming out this Friday. Um, very fortunate to be able to talk with you and hopefully, God willing, in person, uh, we could do it next time in person. Yeah, I, I really hope so. And I can't wait to to play music for people again. That is, that's why I do it. And uh, it's, it's just to, to get to actually see people's faces and um, feel the energy and feel the sweat and, you know, dream the same dream for an hour and a half with a bunch of people it's like it's the best thing it's incredible um all right i'll let you go do uh some other things i know you're busy but again thanks for uh, taking the time and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you real soon you bet thanks a lot all right Have a